to Strangely Enough. This week we are covering all things witchcraft. The history of it, the modern aspects, and local ties. So, the history of witchcraft. So, basically, from all the research that I've done so far into it, it just has like an extremely wide span all over the globe. And it means different things to different groups of people um, and different individuals. So, like, there's different types of witchcraft in Thailand and Haiti. And then, um, of course, the classic European witchcraft that is what I think most people assume you're talking about when you bring up the concept of witchcraft. Um so it has a really wide span and basically found all over the world. And from what I've gathered, at least, especially for modern day witchcraft, is that it's really different to each individual person. And that there's not really, from what I've found, like a, it's not like a concrete religion like Catholicism or, you know, Christianity where you have like this specific text that you're following and you know all of the prayers and everything are the same for you know everyone who follows that religion um it's really quite vast and up for interpretation that's kind of Um, cool because I feel like a lot of the people that I know that are practicing participants of like a formally recognized organized religion um I've heard multiple people say like well my relationship with for example God is my own and I love the church to be a part of the community but my own practice is my own practice and like I serve and pray in the way that feels most real to me so I feel like that same sort of philosophy is probably applied to a lot of witchcraft for people Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're seeing that more and more commonly with a bunch of different religions of people using it more as like a framework, I guess. Um, But of course, witchcraft wasn't always, you know, what we think of it today in, you know, in modern times where it is a little bit more mainstream now. It's more understood. There's more information on it. Um, and more understanding of the fact that the concept of magic now isn't necessarily like I can make myself fly and change forms and everything. Like a lot of what I read was finding and appreciating the magic that exists within like our world and nature and everything. Um, And so that's kind of where it lies now. And um, Natasha will get into that a little bit more later on. Um, But as far as its roots and its history, it really was kind of more of a dark thing. Of course, everybody knows about the Salem Witch Trials, or most people do. And that was a really dark time where it was easy to kind of... Anyway, so... I think when a lot of people think of witches and witchcraft, people tend to 
gravitate towards the Salem witch trials and all of the chaos that happened within them and why they happened, which I guess people interpret in different ways, but a lot of times it was, I think, construed as, you know, being able to point fingers at someone who maybe did something you didn't like or, you know, was acting weird or was different. Um, so I, I feel like that gets a lot of the focus. Um, and there's just so much more to it than that. Um, and honestly, we, the, I say we because we're based in New England, but um, Salem wasn't even like the largest case of witch hunting and, you know, putting people on trial for witchcraft. In my research and everything that I kind of looked into, what I found was this was a, a very big deal over in Germany. And so their totals were like significantly higher. Granted, it was a horrible thing to happen no matter where it happened. But in Germany, there were about or more than 200 women, men, and children who were, you know, killed because they were suspected of witchcraft. Um, And a lot of those came from the Catholic Church. So um, basically, it was a way to, to other people and kind of call out their differences. And that's really a big part of the history of it is just misconstruing you know other people and misunderstanding them yeah I think that that's like a really good point too especially like that's such a clear connection between the Salem witch trials which we grew up like reading the crucible out loud in middle school from a social studies book I'm pretty sure um and then (laughs) in like Europe like they were literally torturing people. And of course, like under a significant amount of torture or not, like these people were confessing to it. And I feel like that happened in Salem too, where you had the confessions and then it just was like hysterics. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like maybe it's just because we live in New England. I don't, you don't really hear much about like the history, like back in the 1400s or so in like Europe and Germany, but Um, as often as you hear about the Salem witch trials, but it's obviously been a theme running throughout like humanity for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, like the 1400s is really where it all started, like hardcore, (laughs) because again, a lot of it stems back to, to the Catholic church of, you know, saying this is the way things are. This is the way you have to be. And anyone who kind of strayed from that was considered and could be tried for witchcraft or being a witch. Like there are a lot of like examples of people saying like, oh, well, my pigs died and it's so-and-so's fault. So they must have cast a spell on them or like kind of putting like boxing people into these situations where they wouldn't be able to even give themselves like an alibi basically and I forget where I I read it or heard it but 
while I was doing all this research, there was talk of how, like, obviously there's, I guess it's not obvious. Maybe I should stop saying <laughs> things are obvious. It's just obvious to me because for the entirety of my life, I fucking have been interested in this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> However, um, a big thing in kind of like folklore in regards to witches is them having a familiar, right? And so having like an animal companion. But what started happening is the people accusing their neighbors or what have you of witchcraft would say, well, I saw, I saw a cat around this time. And even though my neighbor was at home, it could have astro projected through this cat. And so they're a witch, which like (laughs) makes no sense, but it made it really hard for the person being accused to be like, it wasn't me. I was home. Like ask my husband, ask my other neighbors. Like they saw me and they could still be like, no, 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 no. But I saw a cat. So it was you. (laughs) Like. It's so crazy. Yeah. So it just like is a lot of hearsay and they didn't really have from my understanding which you know take that with a grain of salt they didn't have like a super com- complex like justice system it kind of was just figured out in the neighborhood and it didn't go super well all the time which is why like 200 people died in germany because of witchcraft I feel like the perfect example, or as you were describing how people would be accused and the fact that there wasn't, like, you know, any system for anything back then. Have you guys seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The scene where she's a witch is so good. So freaking good. If listeners, if you haven't watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail, one, where have you been for the past, like, 50 years? (laughs) Two, you need to watch it. It is so worth your time, and there are so many jokes to be had. So many jokes. So many. But yes, I just had to tell you guys that that's what it made me think of. Yes. No, that's so good. And it's funny you say that, because we're going to talk about um, a a very local to us witch who um, lived in Hampton, New Hampshire, in the 1600s, I'm pretty sure. But I had listened to NHPR's The Real Witches of New Hampshire podcast as part of my research for this episode. And um, Justine, who is one of the Justine Paradise, she's one of the um, journalists who worked on that. And she made the same joke. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, yes, it's just a universal, like... <laughs> connection (laughs) um also saw a lot about uh the wizard of oz in my research really i didn't even think i literally always forget that there are witches in that movie me too (laughs) like that's so not the point of the movie for me i feel like but it was everywhere right oh um but yeah so i feel really scatterbrained talking about this topic and I think it's just because there's like a wealth of information around it and there's so many different angles that you can approach it um 
so I guess what I would I kind of want to go back to at this point is the earliest recording of witches which surprise surprise was in the bible Um, oh you don't say (laughs) shocker um but yeah it was in so the way it was worded on the website I read was bible book one of Samuel which is dated somewhere between 931 BC to 721 BC so around that time frame is really the first time that you see any recorded talk of witches and I am gonna be straight up and tell you right now that I don't know anything about religion (laughs) especially Catholicism um but essentially like just so you have an understanding of what context this witchcraft was presented in this book was that King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistine army. So basically witches and witchcraft have had a bad rap from the beginning. Um, which kind of goes back to my point of throughout history, it has been a way to other people and outcast them. So, so yeah, that's the earliest recording of it um, in the BC eras. And then you kind of get more into the 1400s, which is when um, there was a book that was written called The Hammer of Witches. And it's, I'm going to botch this pronunciation, Malleus Maleficarum. Basically, it was a, a text all about how to hunt and identify witches. And so that came out around the 1400s, which is kind of when we start seeing that big push of witch hunting and, you know, accusing people of being witches and all of these witch trials. And so that's what really started all of the hysteria around it, especially in Europe. And then you had the um, Puritans and, you know, all the others who came over to start the colonies. And it kind of picked up over here as well, as we saw in Salem. Um, But again, we saw it in Salem, but that's not the only place it was happening over here. Um, There was a case in Connecticut, I always botch this, the way, this pronunciation too, Windsor, Windsor, Connecticut? Yeah, Yeah. so that was the first, um, the first execution in what we call the United States today of an accused witch. Um, So it was happening in Connecticut, it happened in Salem. And what I think is interesting is down in Virginia, there there were people who were accused of being witches, but they had a legal and justice system in place. And so it was really strict and really hard to co- actually convict people of being witches, which I think is so interesting. How progressive for the South. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Kind of ironic now. Right. And, um, so no witches in Virginia were executed, it sounds like? Correct. Correct. From what wow. I read, 
I got a lot of um, interesting information off of history.com, actually. They had a lot of really good information that, like, I actually had never heard of before. Um, And so that was really interesting to me, is that, and ironic, I guess, (laughs) Um, is that they had a really strict process in place for being able to actually convict people of witchcraft um so yeah so that's kind of I guess a general history of it and throughout all of this I think what's most important to note for those who may not already know is that it's it's very historically and very clearly something that happened to women And you can't really look at the data and look at the history and say otherwise. It was really a way to kind of gain control back from women who were independent or who were well off without being attached to a man um, in a way to, again, make an outcast of them and kind of, you know, other them. So that's an important thing to note, too, throughout the whole history of witchcraft and witches is a really strong sense of pushing back against women who were strong and independent and and unconventional, whether it was back in the BC era or even today we see it, of course. So, yeah, I think that hits all the major points as far as like an overview of witchcraft and kind of the first instances of it and the witch trials kind of stuffed into a little nutshell, if you will. Um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah um, I think that that was really interesting to hear, especially, you know, like I said, all the ties that it has had in different cultures and societies all over the world. And I'm sure there's so much more that we can't even like touch upon in an episode, but, or even right. like learn about in this lifetime. <laughs> but um, what I was kind of interested in was the fact that witches are always um, like associated with Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. And I was aware that, you know, Halloween is originally um, from like a Celtic holiday or like a pagan holiday, um, which is also now known as Samhain. Um, and if you see this word, you've probably seen it before, but it is not spelled anything like Samhain. It is S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So it kind of looks like Samhain. Um, if you're going to read it in English, but it's a Gaelic word. Uh, and that time frame was, it originally means, I guess in Gaelic, like it means summer's end. So it's basically a welcoming celebration that pagans would participate in to welcome in the harvest and like the dark half of the year, basically, um, in Celtic lands, you know, that would be their winter, the threshold of, of winter, um, So this would always fall around October 31st and can range to like November 2nd. And it really is was interesting to follow the history of the holiday just to um, see how that kind of came about with that three day time frame. But some things that the Celts believed um, and this was 
Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Britain, even um, parts of France as well, um, at least before, you know, the, I would say, like, Catholic um, revolution kind of happened, where they were kind of taking over different uh, areas and converting people. But um, before that, the Celts were all over. And it was known as like, not only as a time to welcome in the harvest, but it would be one of their major um, holidays. And they had four fire holidays or fire festivals that they would celebrate, basically welcoming in each season. Um, so there's a whole like pagan wheel of the year as well. And usually there's these holidays for the well, welcoming the seasons and whatnot, but there's also the um, solstices and equinoxes that are celebrated in that calendar as well. And this is another thing like Sam was saying, like it's so broad, it doesn't just fall on the Celts, like it falls with Slavic and, and modern Wicca and Druidism and all of that, all of those kind of pagan um, practices, I guess. Right. But yeah. yeah. So, but I guess the, like this one, uh, Samhain was the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals. Um, and the Celts had druids, which were, are pretty cool. And I feel like they're kind of comparative to witches, but still their own entity. They're basically were considered priests, but also lawgivers of the Celtic people. And a cool thing about Druids was that they were all very well educated, but they incorporated both men and women. Um, so these people like trained and studies, studied for at least 30 years. Um, and they would be basically like memorizing history and like uh, traditions and like cultural things um, and were looked upon as like these great beings of like knowledge and and you know um so they would also be a part of these celtic festivals and i mean later on druids are pretty much and all of their knowledge and like books and everything were wiped out by roman invaders and then later the catholic church but no um, i did not know that at all yeah. I didn't either. so they were yeah like i said they were like the they were really high up in like the Celtic uh, people. So thought that was pretty cool. And I had to mention them because obviously um, shout out out to the Druids, but um, I feel like it's left out a lot. I mean, yeah, I feel like this is something that interests me a lot and that I've looked into in the past, but I've never really heard of them. Like that specific group of, yeah. Or that, type of practice same here the only time I've heard the word druid used is when people talk about world of warcraft or D. so I was gonna say like video games or something yeah. it's interesting to hear they were like actual human creatures that just were like community elders and knew all the things that's pretty cool yeah um so they are a huge part of it in in the ancient days as well um but basically because Samhain fell um around the time of the harvest it like a lot of people's practices revolved around that um 
and obviously it would be a time where you collect all your crops and like you start storing all of your food for the year. Um, and basically by the time the harvest is done and collected, this is like the time of Samhain. So you've just done all of that work. You've like laid out all of your food. Um, and at this point you would basically know how much like hay and whatnot you've collected and to see how, like how, many animals you would be able to feed throughout the winter as well can you imagine having to plan for that shit now I I would never survive I literally would never survive I would die off by eating like one bad berry in the woods and meanwhile people are rationing hay like what the hell it's just crazy to think about but like that is why this was almost like a kind of like a somber time as well like it's not like a like like the let's say like Beltane or like the spring equinox when they're like parading around the maypole and like celebrating life and like partying this is like okay like we have to bunker down to see if we survive (laughs) type thing it's so intense And that kind of goes into the history of witchcraft and witches that I found as well. And from here on, I'm probably going to refer more to it as paganism because that's, I think, the more accurate way to describe it, at least in modern times. But a lot of it was literally just based off of like kind of like a farm schedule of like – like taking care of the earth and using the like farmer's almanac in like a meaningful way. Like, I all mean, very reasonable things. Very reasonable, very useful and practical. And we're like, ooh, spooky. Literally. <laughs> but oh my God, it's so funny that you say that too, because looking back on it, it's like such a different lifestyle. Um, that mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine now, but back then this is just part of like your yearly ritual, like your time, your days passed with the setting of the sun and your farm work and the animals you cared for and everything. And basically like if you didn't have enough food to feed all of the animals that you've had, like sheep and goats, cows, like horses, even like you had to make a decision at this time to like okay, like which ones are the oldest, which ones are the weakest, and they would sacrifice them as humanely as possible, like no pain, quick, and whatnot, to, because they knew that instead of like keeping them alive and like starving them, that it would be like more respectful even to do that. But then there would be a feast part of it as well, because all of a sudden you have all this extra meat. Um, so <laughs> might as well, you know feast um so that's part of it as well but then like going back to just like the the fire festival aspect of it too it's like they would just light these bonfires um at that time and because of it's a welcoming the dark half of the year and like the leaves start to fall off the trees and basically nature goes through its cycle of of dying um it was a time to honor the dead as well so they would light all these bonfires and um a lot of the time they would take even the coal from these like almost sacred bonfires for the festival and like light their own uh, hearths or stoves with that coal or start their fires with it um and they would also um 
like, I guess, just the, with the whole aspect of fire, um, also like the like jack-o'-lanterns, modern day jack-o'-lanterns, like we carve pumpkins and whatnot. But back then it would be just like turnips and like gourds and stuff. And they would actually carve them out into like the shape of a skull and they would put um, like fire or light or candle inside of it as well. And like, I guess this part is pretty controversial today as well. Like whether it is to just frighten away bad spirits or whatnot, because the veil is thin on around this time of the year. Um, But some people, especially like those of like Celtic heritage, believe it's more of a way to welcome and like even guide spirits of family members and ancestors back home for a visit like when the veil is basically parted between the the two worlds um so jack-o'-lanterns today um that's kind of where those come from and then i was like well where do all the uh, these other things come from like bats and like all those other like traditional scary things um and i thought it was cool because they had these big bonfires and that would attract a lot of insects and like moths to flames, you know, and bats and owls and all of that. They would like show up to feast as well. So they're attracted by the fires because of the insects and that's how they're associated with this time of year also. That's amazing. Yeah. I never thought of that. I just thought, Ew, someone decided spiders were fun decor for this time of year. Who the hell are they so I can, like, (laughs) fight them? (laughs) Same. (laughs) It makes so much sense. But it is, like, really the thing. I think, like, if, if you take anything away from listening to this podcast, it's that, like, witchcraft and paganism is so rooted in nature. And you see that throughout the holiday of I'm gonna say it right Samhain I always say it with a weird accent (laughs) um and Halloween is you see the pumpkins and the jack-o'-lanterns and the corn mazes and bats and spiders and all of this like stuff that comes from nature that is like highly represented within these holidays so it's interesting to see how it's like um transformed yeah it's really cool actually you know it may be commercialized today and whatnot but that even brings me to another part because um obviously we have like modern day halloween of being like kids dress up in costumes and they go house to house and they get candy and um all this stuff so i was like well where does that kind of fit into Samhain at least um And first of all, like the almost going back to like that feast part, but like, so they'd have these fires, they'd have their harvest, they'd have their extra meat from their, their animals. And they would have what is known as the dumb supper, but it dumb, not as in stupid, but as in the meaning of like quiet, um, because this is also a very respectful holiday where you're supposed to be there to like respect your deceased loved ones and ancestors. So they would have a feast part, but they would also have like an empty chair at the table with like a plate of food as like an offering um, or even a way to like draw in their family spirits or ancestors to join them. Um, oh. And they would also make these little soul cakes. Um 
at least. And so these families would like bake these little sweet treats. And then of course, children would be like, this is amazing. Everybody has their own sweet treats. But in kind of like a pagan view of things, like if children were dressed like spirits or fairies, which were are also prevalent like um, things in like the Celtic days, then maybe these other beings or entities would bless them rather than bothering them. So it was a way of them like almost disguising themselves on this time of year to be able to go out and like travel to your neighbor's house and get a soul cake. Um, and in exchange for the cake, the child would promise to not create any mischief or anything like that, but also would agree to pray for that like households recently deceased um, as well. That is so wholesome. I gotta look up a recipe for some soul cakes. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. What a great idea. (laughs) I wonder if I'm going to look into this, but I was listening to, Ologies this morning, which is podcast about pumpkins and the cutest woman ever. She was like 78 years old and I wish I remembered her name off the top of my head, but she wrote basically like a whole book about pumpkins called Pumpkin Pumpkin and she has (laughs) recipes and like the history of like why we eat pumpkins around this time of year. So I wonder if she would have a recipe for it or something like it. That's so cute. I love that. (laughs) So cute. Um, Oh my goodness. I love it. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just like, No, it's so cute. But like, I even probably got ahead of myself too, because like soul cakes happened even a little bit down the line. So, um, Basically, you know, really ancestor heavy was this holiday and they would even do like divination. So they would try to almost summon their their relatives there to ask about the year ahead. Things like, um, is anybody in the family going to die? Is anybody going to get married? Who's going to have a kid next year? All this stuff. And they oh, like wow. had their ways and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> kind of like you're asking the ghost almost like fuck Mary kill like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I didn't even think of that <laughs> but yes so sorry that That's is hilarious my and I was like uh yo <laughs> grandma tell me a little bit about uh <laughs> a little bit about this what you thinking <laughs> oh my god but yeah I'm like so I I mean <laughs> no don't be it's so funny um but yeah of course like the catholic church is like, no, we're not going to have any of this. Um, and so they, as they were like trying to convert like all of these different countries and stuff to um, be Catholic and like get rid of their pagan ways, um, it w- went on and on and on. So there's like a whole list of history. Like basically Pope Gregory the first was like, okay, like if you see a bunch of pagans like doing a ritual um, and they're like worshiping a tree, like, why don't you just consider like blessing the tree in the name of Christ? And as long as they continue to worship it, but it's in the name of Christ, like good job. Um, so like they were kind of tolerant um, of it, but at the same time, like putting their own spin on it. So the pagan holidays had a way of lasting in that way because people would still 
be able to do most of like their own practices, especially in private, like without um, being like it being taken away completely. So by the time Pope Gregory the third came around, he was like, well, why don't we just have this holiday, like all saints day or all hallows day, which would be technically be November 1st. Um, and because that was a day to like honor all holy people and saints and whatnot in like the Catholic religion, the people were like, what about all souls day on November 2nd so we can include our family and our ancestors because that's what this was all about in the beginning um so that became a thing too and then people on All Hallows Eve which would technically be the day you know the day before All Saints Day or All Hallows Day October 31st they would still do their own feasting and divination and um they would do the soul cakes and stuff like that and that's where that kind of um, came from at that point was like after they were still kind of doing their own holiday under the rule of like Catholic religion. Um, and then, yeah, basically, if we're going to speed up the timeline a lot, <laughs> you know, you have the mass migration of uh, people from like Ireland and Scotland and whatnot during the potato famine who came to the U.S. and Canada and that almost like morphed into our like Halloween as we know it today. So it was like a lot uh, to read about, but it, I thought it was so cool and like how so many things about Halloween that as we know it today are still almost like directly in line, if not like commercialized and like maybe a little bit less about ancestors and honoring your own dead. But I think that that's even like the coolest part, like that you could take this, you know, holiday, this commercialized holiday, and just remember that it is a time to honor your own ancestors and your own deceased loved ones and really mark that um, in, in like history as well. Right. Absolutely. I think it's interesting too, that you mentioned that, you know, for a little bit, the Catholic Church was somewhat tolerant. Like, obviously, they had to make it okay for themselves and be like, well, we'll just pretend that they're praying <laughs> Christ or whatever. About the trees. <laughs> yeah, but whatever, it's fine. But it's interesting because once the Puritans came over here, the reason they came over here was because Europe wasn't devout enough for them. And so it's interesting that I feel like it kind of, like, became, I'm trying to think of, like, the best way to say this, like, became more taboo and less acceptable to celebrate more of the pagan-style holidays. And that, like, it just escalated from there. So I think it's interesting that at some point they were like, yeah, whatever, it's fine, we're going to put our own spin on it, but, like, whatever do what you want. I just don't want to hear about it to like, oh, you looked at my pig funny and now it's dead. So you're a witch and I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there was a lot of time in between that little timeline I just gave <laughs> that was uh, on fast forward. But yeah, some, some stuff had changed for sure. But like that fear aspect between even mm -hmm. like that was developed, I think between the like opposing like spiritual views just lingered mm -hmm. on and on until it like manifested in 
all of the the witch trials of everywhere. <sighs> My goodness. Right. Such- but it is interesting to hear about such a wholesome holiday and like Right. I don't know. I wanna make soul cakes. I'll light a couple candles for my past loved ones. Like I love that. It's so like that's the thing I think I love the most about witchcraft, as it were, or paganism, whatever you wanna call it. I've I see some people identify themselves as witches and some identify themselves as pagans or like you were talking about earlier, druids. I like And that's kind of the cool thing about this quote-unquote religion, if you want to loosely call it that, is that it doesn't box people in and it allows people to celebrate really wholesome things like, you know, like celebrating your ancestors' lives and ushering ushering them in on a, a day where the veil is supposed to be thin and offering them food and comfort and it just... How cozy. <laughs> like, it's everything that it's... you want a holiday to actually be without, like, all the baggage and weird, shitty parts. The commercialized parts, I'll say. But yes, absolutely. Like, the warmth of the fire and, like, feasting and, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was really awesome to hear. And, like, I don't know, maybe it's because it's 2020 also, where we're all so separate. It's just, like, the- those homey vibes. <laughs> Why can't we get back to that? Right. And why can't we just let people be and do the things that bring them joy and that make them feel connected to this world and to other people? Like, that's really the root I get of witchcraft and paganism is that it's just a way to root yourself in this world and kind of make sense of it and appreciate everything around you. Like, a lot of the people who were, you know, accused of witchcraft way back when were midwives and natural healers and people who, like, made use of their environment in, like, a really respectful and appreciative way. And that's kind of what magic is from everything I've read. Like, magic isn't casting spells and doing this and doing that. It's finding usefulness in the things that are around you every day and appreciating them um and I found a oh sorry I just was gonna say that was really beautifully said (laughs) agreed Mm -hmm. thank you that's I mean that's just what I'm getting from all the research that I I did and everything I've read and there was one quote I wish I could remember and I don't think I wrote it down but someone was saying that it's if you kind of look at the things that were considered magic back in the day, they ended up being like science later on. And so it's kind of meshing like the beauty and practicality of nature and what it can do with what we consider today as facts. Like, you know, like, like, medicines that we use today were derived from somewhere and back then they didn't have a word for it or a concept and now it's just science like penicillin (laughs) and stuff right yeah like chemistry and stuff like that and so I think we get really carried away with the idea of like what we think of 
I guess, classically with witches and magic and whatever and, you know, putting hexes on people with the fact that actually it was just really practical, nature-based practices yeah I definitely could have said that a lot better no I think I definitely agree um and I think like with literally anything in this world like you have your you like let's say light uh people who are doing it for the right reasons and then you may have some people who try to do stuff for the wrong reasons and this could literally be applicable to anything um but it's so much easier to like identify something with somebody who did the wrong thing in a particular area and like have that be what carries on and is like almost becomes stereotypical because nobody's going to like talk about, you know, that the healer who is mixing herbs, you know, in her hut on the edge of the village, as much as they're going to talk about the witch who actually tried to put a hex on her ex-husband or whatever, you know, it's like sensationalized, um, just like everything is always. Um, but I think it's really cool to just figure out like even the history and like, you know, why people found comfort in doing these things. And I still think that with a lot of these things, people still could benefit from, you know, just humanity in general by like taking the time out of their busy lives to connect with nature and, you know, respect their ancestors and appreciate everything about this world that we, we live on currently. So so cool it is it truly is I love it like I just felt really excited reading all this stuff (laughs) I hope you guys are enjoying listening to this too and like I said earlier I know that I mean I specifically have kind of been like jumping around and like oh I remembered this fact and this fact but it's just it's such a vast topic of research and you literally could get lost in it for hours and hours yeah there's way too much too much but somehow not enough I think I feel like there's not enough because as you guys were like talking about how like lovely and wholesome and like beautiful and realistic and practical like all of this like these rituals that you've talked about so far are I think it's because I operate from a place of fear a hundred percent of the time (laughs) but when I look at any religion like literally any religion like so witchcraft I'm like yeah there are probably some chicks with some crystals in their house like like all my friends <laughs> but I'm afraid of the people that are slitting goat's throats like I don't know that scares the crap out of me or like that I know a lot of people who um are Christian or Catholic and like they're good ass people and they love everyone and they are aligned with a lot of my like personal values and like way of living. But then on the other side of that, you would just have like crazy, like insane evangelical, like extremists and, and like every religion has that. So it was nice to hear of like some wholesome, good stuff, just general, like just goodness. (laughs) being associated with witchcraft because I usually that's not where my brain goes at all for like any religion yeah and I, that's I think that's totally natural you know I and like that's almost like the whole sensa- sensationalized aspect I was talking about it's like your mm-hmm. your brain is gonna like click and hold on to those things that are not good and 
unfortunately, that's the stuff that spreads the farthest, especially when you're going this far back in history. Mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to, obviously, I feel like any witch trials, but the Salem witch trials, like the people came here, a lot of them died. They were operating out of a place of fear, a million kajillion percent. Like we all, the group of us, we recently rewatched The Witch. It's a horror movie. If you haven't seen it, you should. The W in the title is two V's. That's how old school it is. But it just, it, it's a really good suspenseful movie. It is, there is some gore, but it like, for me anyway, it, I feel like it gave me a really good glimpse into just how scared people were, even with all of like the Puritans were, even with all of their faith and all of their freaking entitlement that they carried around with them because they're white. Like they were so afraid all the goddamn time. And like my, for this episode, I looked into more about the Salem witch trials, just because like Sam and Tasha mentioned when you live in New England, I feel like that's, you, you learn a lot about it, but it's all, it felt like anyway, all of it was taught to me in like elementary school, which like, okay, I know just, I remember just as much about the Salem witch trials as I do as ancient Mesopotamia. Like it is not, (laughs) I don't remember enough. So (laughs) I was trying to research, um, yeah, just more about the Salem Witch Trials. And if if you have been listening to all of our episodes, you know me. I like to find out realistic reasons why things might have happened. So, Practicality. Yes. <laughs> so I was researching just like the sociopolitical climate or what's documented of it anyway of Salem at the time that the witch trials were occurring. And I found a really great... Um, a couple of articles, but um, one in particular that I honed in on and pulled a lot of information from, from uh, JSTOR, which is an archival article website that I learned about in art school. Uh, cool. Yeah. So the, one of the theories that people have or like historians have um, now is about why like the witch, the witch trials even happened was there was apparently like a huge freeze um the temperatures began to drop at the beginning of the 14th century and the coldest periods occurred from 1680 to 1730 so obviously with colder temperatures there's economic hardship slow down of population growth which i thought was interesting because i thought people made more people when it you had nothing else to do but i guess i'm wrong uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Oh boy. Yeah, so a lot so there's one theory that's just like everything went to shit cuz it was fucking cold. Like very very cold. Animals weren't surviving, our housing was thatched roof cottages, like shit was not good. Um which that makes sense cuz if you're already a fearful community and then like something bad happens and you're like, "But I pray so hard. How could something bad happen like this? This is terrible." You just get more afraid. Um, so that, that made sense to me, but the other, um, kind of physiological reasons that are theories that people have attributed to the mass hysteria and the witchcraft, witchcraft accusations, oh my gosh, um, include fungus poisoning and undiagnosed encephalitis, which 
this was interesting to me because in my head, the Salem witch trials were, and from what I like had known prior to going into more research, was that uh, people were accusing other people because they didn't like them. And like there were there were tax reasons and there were like political reasons, oddly enough, uh, election season, yay. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but there were some physiological, so I just always thought it was purely made up. Like nobody was dancing with the devil or looking like they were or doing anything funny. People were just pointing fingers. But um, there might have been some physiological reasons that people could have been acting in a way that could be mis diagnosed, I guess, as witchcraft. Um, so some of the girls specifically in Salem that were accused, there's, um, a, re- a historian, her name's Linda Caparell. She argues that the girls suffered from convulsive ergotism and it's a condition that's caused by ergot, which is a type of fungus that's typically found in rye and other grains. And there was a lot of rye coming in through Salem, the Salem port at that time. Um, but I guess when you, uh, contract this condition, it produces, um, hallucinations. So LSD like effects, it can cause victims to suffer from vertigo, crawling sensations on the skin, tingling in your extremities, headaches, like I said, hallucinations, seizure, like muscle contractions. Um, so they, I mean, the rye was coming in and then it was being grown at a high volume in Massachusetts at that time. But the damp climate and long storage period could have led to an ergot infestation of the grains. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is so interesting because all of the things that, like, all of the symptoms that you're naming, like, are literally things that I feel like I remember reading in the crucible. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's the thing. Like, like I said, I literally just thought it was people pointing fingers at other people that were acting purely normal and like making some shit up out of their head. Like, Oh no, they were convulsing and uh, talking to goats. Like they just made it up. But if people had this kind of, I don't want, I don't know if it's a disease, just if they had contracted this condition, through that fungus like they would be acting freaking weird so yeah um but it's at the same time i'm like well why did only like these young girls contract this condition if everyone was eating this rye and stuff like that you know well if you think about it i feel like in times of economic financial hardship food insecurity especially during those times, my sense of the the scope of how people worked was, like, the women and children got fed first because, like, mm. the man could sustain, even though in that time anyway, what's documented suggests that the men were doing a lot of the physical activity, like, when they were hunting as opposed to, like, gathering. Um so that is something I thought about as well, but that's, that's what I guessed. So who knows if I'm right? <laughs> um, the other, it's a more controversial. Be- oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm good. a little late for that party. I was going to say it makes sense. And also I wonder if it has to do with immune systems because you know how like sometimes, and I'm not a doctor, <laughs> shockingly <laughs> enough, <laughs> but like, you know how like some diseases like, or illnesses 
are easily contracted by like younger people and some it's older people like it it really just depends like I wonder if that was a factor too of like they were on the younger side and it was just easier for them to like take ill right yeah that makes sense too especially considering life expectancy was not very long so people weren't even getting to the point where they were getting old and then getting sick right exactly that's yeah I don't know just something that popped in my brain again. I'm not. I'm not a medical doctor, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess we should just. Right. Right on the <laughs> None of us are medical doctors, but <laughs> we're just super big fans. Um, the other theory that I found was um, stated that the girls might have suffered from an outbreak of encephalitis lethargica, which is an inflammation of the brain that's spread by insects and birds. Symptoms for that include fever, headaches. I never know how to, lethargy, 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 right? Lethargy. Lethargy. <laughs> no I idea. Don't, don't ask me. <laughs> Listeners, don't judge me. I promise I'm smart. Um, you know, they were feeling lethargic. I'll go with that. Um, double vision, abnormal eye movements, neck rigidity, behavioral changes, and tremors. So I guess between the winter, according to a book that um, was written in 1999, it's called A Fever in Salem, um, it argues that in the winter of 1691 and the spring of 1692, some of the accusers exhibited those very symptoms and that a doctor had been called, like one specific doctor had been called in to treat the girls. He couldn't find an underlying physical cause and concluded, well, they must be possessed by witchcraft. Um, which to me, reading that part of my research, I was like, wow. So it was like the IBS of the witch trial times. That's good to know. Which, <laughs> I was just like, we don't know what's wrong with you. So witchcraft. Oh my God. <laughs> um, oh, that was so good. <laughs> I was like reading it. I was like, God damn it. This is like that, that issue in modern medicine existed way before it was modern medicine. Like God damn it. That sounds like my uh, current diagnosis of <laughs> what's wrong with me. They don't know. Great. <laughs> or just like, yeah, we think you have IBS. So like try cutting out these food groups. Also minimizing stress can help. And I'm like, oh yeah, minimizing stress can help. You don't fucking say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are the two main um, physiological theories that I came upon. Another one of the theories that I had read about actually uh, a couple years back was that at the time there was Salem Town, which was um, closer to the shore, and they had a more booming economy. A lot more people were more thickly settled there. It was more like the city, like more similar to a city what we would have today than not. Um and then there was Salem Village, which was just further inland a bit more, but enough so that people were more spread out and tended to be, <laughs> this is interesting because, again, election season, um, the people in the city tended to be more open-minded and progressive in their thoughts about religion and, and you know, cultural stuff. And the folks out west were less so and had more of like a, a puritanical mentality, like we're less flexible with their thoughts. So a lot of the accusations were coming from Salem village out West towards people in Salem town. So there's also thoughts about whether or not that polit type of political divide might've spurred up a lot of the, the issues that came out of Salem. 
you don't say. Wow. <laughs> right? Hashtag relatable content. Oh, it's just people, I guess, are just have always been garbage. Like, <laughs> like, so I guess what it really comes down to is. Yeah, that's <laughs> the moral of this episode is like uh, druids had all this cool shit documented and like helpful stuff. And who knows what the world would look like today <laughs> if the druids didn't have all their shit ruined by crazy conquerors. I know. Like, God damn it, guys. <laughs> Honestly. Oh. Wow. <laughs> the parallels. Right. Oh, my goodness. Ain't that just the way? Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's wild. And that's a lot of, like, what I found when I was looking into the history, too, is that oh my god my brain just stopped working uh oh <laughs> fuck <laughs> but basically just what we've been saying is like people are minding their own business doing their own thing and then people are like hey I don't like that look <laughs> <laughs> away then Reginald fuck you <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> Let me mush up my goddamn lavender so I can go to sleep better. <laughs> Honestly. Oh my gosh. I didn't mean to cut you off, Tosh. Oh, wow. You're good. But yeah, it just it's it's wild. That's what it all comes down to, I think. Mhm. Oh, my goodness. Um the other thing that I meant to talk about a little bit earlier, too, when we were kind of talking about, like, how Halloween's been commercialized or Samhain's been commercialized is, so when I was doing research on the history of witches and witchcraft, I was, like, thinking about, and I'm like, what, but why do they ride brooms? And also, what's with the pointy hats? Like, where did that even come from? Yes. Those were, like, some more interesting tidbits that I found as well. Um, so the, the broom one was really interesting to me because as I was reading about witchcraft, we know again, that it was something that was a way to kind of attack independent women. And I started thinking, I'm like, but they ride broomsticks. Is that like a metaphor for like, fuck the patriarchy like what is this <laughs> i'm not cleaning your goddamn cottage anymore steven fuck you <laughs> i'm out of here riding my broom out this bitch blasting off <laughs> literally jimmy <laughs> neutron got a blast literally that's exactly where my brain went <laughs> that's where it came from don't you just love listening to kids who grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s talk? Because it's literally just all shitty cartoon references. We all have the same references, and I don't yeah. understand how we all agreed as a collective conscious to <laughs> absorb the very same things from the same cartoons. It's insane. It's amazing. I feel like we could do a whole episode on that. Like, yes. just we could. <laughs> like, weird pop culture things. Oh. That's literally what I live for. That's why I wake up in the morning. Fun fact. Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's just like, I couldn't stop thinking about that. So I researched it. And so, like I said, broomsticks are often associated with women and their domestic chores. And it's interesting that it's an iconic part of 
like pop culture witches and whatnot, which who were historically ostracized and independent women, and they were depicted as riding brooms. And this came from a pagan fertility ritual in which rural farmers would leap and dance astride poles, pitchforks, or brooms in the light of the full moon to encourage the growth of their crops. What? So, like pogo oh, sticking? <laughs> like on pitchforks, though? <laughs> like they were working the poles. Oh, my God. Damn. They're Maybe like, not like that, obviously, but it like was just like a, almost like a rain dance or like a good luck ritual. Oh, kind of. it's so funny you say that because yeah, as as we were talking about um, All Saints Day and stuff, I was like, oh, Day of the Dead, and I was like, oh yeah, every goddamn yeah. major civilization has all these things in common. Yeah, which same with the yeah. Isn't that so interesting though? Of like, how is it that all these like quote-unquote like outcasted like religions or societies or whatever like we just come in and fucking colonize their fucking holidays <laughs> which are the most false wholesome holidays i've ever heard of in my life fuck your branches here's a kit kat <laughs> <laughs> that's what people should say to kids on halloween <laughs> I'm never going to recover from that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, no, I'm very flattered. (laughs) But that's literally, like, that sums it up perfectly. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Like, hey, here's some turkey and all the fixings to celebrate the fact that Columbus came over here and decided to commit mass genocide but like fuck you and wanting to dance in a full moon and appreciate the earth that's not okay yeah you guys done fucked up seriously like what (laughs) i feel like i'm going i'm spiraling okay we gotta pull back okay so that's the broomstick theory cool love it pointy hats tell me (laughs) yes the pointy hats um so interestingly enough this wasn't like a thing until like the 1700s and they were depicted in children's books to start with so it kind of became symbolism and kind of like I guess almost like a warning of like dark magic so and darkness you're basically saying it was made up <laughs> in the 1700s. Yeah. Okay. What? Basically, because there was nothing like depicting pointed witches hats before then, and the only other ties people were kind of stretching for was like, oh, well different people from different religions wear hats and it's like, okay, yeah, like or Yeah, like all these different like clergy members or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and I was just like, it just seemed like a reach when I was reading about it. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So really what I got from the article I read about it was that they just started showing up in like the the 1700s and they were in children's books and it was a way to kind of depict like the evil or, you know, dark magic characters. Um, 
and also they were really prevalent in like Victorian era storybooks Mm. and that just kind of perpetuated the theme Um, and so I kind of had to do a little bit more digging and one theory was that those who were like accused of witchcraft were forced to wear hats resembling church steeples <gasps> to draw down God's grace in a last ditch effort to save like their souls. Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because as you were saying that, I was like, why would a witch have a hat that brings them closer to God? Because the like southern thing, like the right. higher the hair, the closer to God. It's like, but it's a hat. Oh, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. So that's one of the theories that I came across. And I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Like, if you're going to kind of link it in that way. So that was the one that made the most sense to me. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of where the brooms and the pointy hats came from. And they just kind of stuck. But what's interesting is a lot of modern day witches have kind of like reclaimed the pointy hat and... Instead of it being, like, one of those things to bring them closer to God or whatever, um, they kind of have it sit, like, have a special place for it as a visual representation of the cone of power, which I didn't get all that in-depth in researching, um, because it was kind of hard to find information on. I would like to read more about it, but it's basically, like, it sounds like it's a, an important part of paganism and maybe part of the Book of Shadows, which is the only other text that I saw that was kind of the equivalent to, like, a Bible or something for Wicca or paganism. So, yeah, that's I think that's cool. kind of cool that they were like, that's ridiculous. We're going to take this into our own hands. <laughs> Damn, good for them. Yeah. So that's the that's the symbolism that I found. Um yeah. But it just like I said, it all comes down to ostracizing people are garbage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> people who are different. And that was the case for our dear Goody Cole. Oh, R.I.P. Oh, Goody Cole. So like we have mentioned several times, when you're from New England you get inundated with stories of the Salem Witch Trial, basically from birth. Like, if you're born in New England, they're like, welcome, here's your little blanket that every other baby in the hospital gets, and also, here's everything you need to know about the Salem Witch the Trial. The Crucible. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, they hand you a script of Arthur Miller's The Crucible. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Have fun and enjoy the ride. <laughs> that's, that's how we come into this world. Up here in New England. So, I didn't even know that there was a few cases of, like, accused witchcraft in New Hampshire, which is where I was born and raised. Um, And I think, I think Rachel was, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys are Massachusetts people. That's what. (laughs) bit um but yeah I didn't even know that we had our own witch trial here and it was over in Hampton which is like a 45 minute drive from where I live and 
her like actual name was Eunice, but she was known as Goody Cole, and Goody was kind of like a nickname for Good Wife, which I don't even know, like what? Why is that a thing? I don't know why that would be what you would go by, but that's interesting. Yeah, I don't. Do you guys know anything about like? going by like the actual um, name goodwife instead of like your actual birth name like it says that goody was a, a, an abbreviation of goodwife and is a polite form of address for women formerly used where like mrs oh. or miss or miss would be used oh okay. that makes more sense miss cole she was the only woman to be convicted of witchcraft in new hampshire and it's because she was poor and mouthy. What? Shocker. Clutch those pearls. <laughs> the reason I say this is because she wasn't the only one suspected. She was the only one to be convicted, but she wasn't the only one to be suspected. Because just a few miles away, there was the lovely woman, Jane Walford, whose social class was much better than Goody Cole's and whose husband was highly respected and they were well off. And she was accused of witchcraft three or four times. And each time she basically sued the other person for slander and won. And it worked. (laughs) Woo! And it worked, but yet this poor, oh my God. Yep. But Goody Cole, she was like older. She was foul tempered. And, um, her husband was older and again, she was just mouthy and nobody really liked her. And so when she was accused of witchcraft, they kind of were just like, well, all right, put her in jail. <laughs> like Sounds about right. Shackle yeah. her up. <laughs> so I think that also is another aspect of things of like, and that can obviously be heavily related to to where we are now socially is like if you're well to do and you have money and status you can get away with a lot more than if you don't have those things and aren't everybody's favorite person Mm -hmm. so I think that was just for me like a really glaring example in parallel and I will probably never recover from putting those two things together (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just to tell you a little bit more of goody cole's story specifically she was found guilty both times i think no in 1656 she was found guilty and then again she was accused of it in 1673 and she was found not guilty but basically like i said she's portrayed as a foul temple foul foul tempered imbued with magical powers and in modern times she has been variously feared and pitied and has achieved minor cult status as a witch and renowned victim of a cruel belief system people claim she had a hateful spirit about her and a pact with the devil so basically if you're just in a bad mood all the time probably because you're poor and you have to struggle for food and to stay warm you are in cahoots with the devil. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's basically her story. She was put in jail for quite some time 
while she was in jail, her husband William died, and Eunice petitioned the court for release, and that was granted. Um, but yeah, basically, once she was out of prison, she was widowed. The, her house and land had been taken from her when she was in jail, so she was basically a ward of the town. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, she just lived a really sad life after that. She passed away while she was in like the town care. And I think it took like three, three days for people to realize that like she might've been dead. <laughs> what? Yep. <clears throat> um, yeah. Oh my God. It's pretty fucked up. Um, there was, there was like an official ceremony to like acquit her of her charges essentially which was led by the longest freaking like organization ever so this is their title the society for the apprehension of those falsely accusing goody cole for having familiarity with the devil that's wow. Yup. <laughs> so they basically acquitted her. Um, they like burnt her, basically like her record saying that she had been jailed for witchcraft. Which weird move. That's a historical document. Like maybe just amended or something. Whatever. Who might have judged? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, the really cool thing that. Rachel researched she can't be here with us today we miss her but the other thing she researched was kind of like the folklore following her after her passing um so people still thought Goody Cole was up to no good basically they believed she was the reason for a shipwreck where everyone was killed and that was karma for how they had treated her Another officer reported seeing a very old woman dressed in a black cloak walking along a busy and dangerous road He stopped her to check in on her, and basically the response of the figure was, I've been walking this road for hundreds of years. Surely I know what I'm doing. And so the officer was like, I'm going to fuck out of here. And (laughs) then he was like, wait, that was weird. Turned around, and she was gone. Um, And then another couple claimed that they invited the woman in for tea, And she was gracious and calm, but when she left, she moved right through the door without ever opening it. So that's kind of like the folklore surrounding Goody Cole and, you know, kind of like the mysterious campfire stories surrounding her, her existence and her passing Hmm. uh, that Rachel was able to find. So that's our very own um, witch story here for New Hampshire. And now, doesn't she have some sort of, like, monument in Hampton, New Hampshire that's literally, like, a swirly rock? <laughs> uh, yep, that's literally, that's what she got. They yep. were like, we're so sorry that we jailed you for literally no reason other than you were poor and had a bad attitude about it. Here's a rock. <laughs> and Can you I- know what's crazy is not only, so she got the rock, right? And then the plaque was purchased by, I think it was a musician who, like, came out with a record specifically to fund getting her a plaque. So, like, they didn't even get her a plaque. To crowdsource it. It was just like, oh, my God. 
here's your rock. And then nobody fucking knew what it was. And then this guy was like, hey, shouldn't we at least give her a memorial plaque? No? Okay, I guess I'll take responsibility for it. Raised money and gave her a plaque. Damn. You know what else I just thought of that is funny? Like, there's all these notes about her having a shitty attitude. And I feel like a shitty attitude for women during that time was like, I'm bleeding and I don't want to get out of bed for another five minutes. And they're like, you bitch, you know these berries need to be picked. You're the worst. Like, I just feel like all of us and like almost every woman I know at this point would have been strung up for witchcraft if it was based on attitude alone. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. I saw a post on Instagram the other day and it was something along the lines of, you know you're living life right if there's someone if you're someone they would have accused of witchcraft 400 years ago and uh, that's my new motto that's what I live my life by so that's fair. <laughs> it's easy to do wear, <laughs> you wear pants like you're doing it <laughs> you wear pants you wear pants and I'm also basically elderly in terms of Puritan times I know you've had bed. 20 kids by now without child so just hang me now (laughs) oh my god that was dark I apologize (laughs) oh so yeah that's goody Cole that's the history of witchcraft the history of Samhain one day I'll start stop saying it with a weird accent I don't I don't know Uh, in another language so it makes sense if you mispronounce it I understand (laughs) I'll get there (laughs) I'll get there for sure. But um yeah, so that's pretty much it for this episode. Happy we'll Halloween. Thanks for for joining us for our episode so far. This one was really interesting to make. I think this is one of the ones I enjoyed the research of the most, mm-hmm. even though I didn't speak as eloquently as I have in the past because it was just so much information. <laughs> and uh yeah, we appreciate you guys. Do something spooky, light a candle for your dead relatives, and, like, just think about how great it is that you're on planet Earth for, like, two minutes on Halloween. You won't regret it. Agreed. Agreed. Also, eat a pumpkin. In whatever (laughs) form you wish. Whole ass pumpkin. Go at it like a squirrel. (laughs) Open her up and uh, just start munching away like you're a little chipmunk. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.